0: Welcome back to Talks with Alondra, and thank you for tuning in to my latest episodes. Today, we'll be talking about Just Mercy by Bryan Stevenson, specifically Walter McMillan's case. For those who have yet to read it, let me lay down what happened. It's 1986 in the small town of Monroeville, Alabama. What seems like a normal day turns to tragedy when 18-year-old Rhonda Morrison is shot and killed at her place of work, Jackson Cleaners. With pressure from the community to find the murderer, new sheriff Tom Tate hastily arrests Walter McMillan for a crime he did not commit. Walter would then spend the next six years of his life in prison. In today's episode, we will be looking at three aspects of Walter's case. Alabama's political climate at the time, witness reliability, and jury selection. Together, we will analyze how they impacted Walter's arrest and trial and the consequences that mishandling evidence and misbehavior of attorneys have on people. In our first segment, we'll be analyzing Alabama's political climate in the mid-1980s to early 90s. To do this, we have to go all the way back to the founding of our country. As we've learned in our many years of social studies classes, the South relied heavily on the use of slaves. Not only were they farming slave owners' lands, but they were also a sign of power. After the Civil War and the abolishment of slavery, racial tensions remained even until this day. Despite Supreme Court rulings, Alabama stayed behind the times and even went as far to continue to make interracial marriage illegal. Blacks were constantly being oppressed and terrorized by the acts of lynching. The idea that a hard-working black man could make a good life for himself was unfathomable to the white community. Upon his arrest, Walter is immediately made out to be a villain in local newspapers. His affairs are publicized and is even accused of selling drugs because he was too well-off for a black person. To Sheriff Tate Edmon Roville, it seemed that Walter was the only possible suspect for the murder of Rhonda Wilson. He is arrested and without even having a trial is put on death row. In Alabama's political climate, being black was in a way a crime itself. Walter McMillan became an easy target because of the color of his skin. If Walter had been born a white man, he probably would have never even been considered a a suspect. Today, our nation still struggles with racial tensions. However, if the murder of Rhonda Morrison had been committed in present day, I am confident that Walter's life would have taken a completely different turn. Perhaps he may have still been arrested, but the first thing people saw would not be the color of his skin. Before we move on to our next segment, here's a short message from Equal Justice Initiative. You can find the link to it on our website. In 1989, about 25% of the people executed in the United States were executed in the state of Alabama. We had dozens of people on death row who did not have legal representation. Institutions providing legal services to condemn people. If you don't have a right to counsel, and you don't have any money, and you're on death row, you're going to be executed. It's stunning that a country that's so dedicated to incarceration as a solution for its problems knows so little about who we lock up, why, and for how long. People on death row had no help, had no assistance, if we didn't work on the cases, no one was going to work on the cases. What a lovely message. Now we move on to witness reliability. Witnesses are crucial in criminal cases. Their testimonies are really the deciding factor for the jury to decide whether the defendant is guilty or not guilty. In Walter's case, the lack of witness reliability is what sentenced him to jail. The main eyewitness witness of Walter's supposed murder was Ralph Myers. The state had built their entire case on one man's word. If Ralph Myers' testimony was taken out, the state's case would have crumbled to nothing. It was unusual for the prosecution to base their charges on a witness alone, without any hard evidence. But what was truly wrong with the prosecution was their blatant lack of respect for the law. Meyer's testimony made no sense from the beginning. He had changed his story several times, adding dramatic details. He claimed that Walter had stopped stopped him at the gas station and asked him to drive to the cleaners because his arm was supposedly injured. How would Walter have driven to the gas station and back home to begin with if his arm was injured? The jury did not seem to question this. In an attempt to further incriminate Walter, investigators had asked Ralph to identify Walter in a store among several other black men. Ralph failed to do so, and was still put on the stand. It was also obvious that Ralph was not well enough to testify in court. Though the jury had no knowledge of this, Ralph was being threatened by the police and faced serious trauma, later being admitted into a mental hospital. Despite how unreliable Ralph's testimony was, the jury believed his words. Another witness brought by the state was Bill Hooks, he was an inmate who testified to seeing Walter's lowrider at the cleaners the day of the murder. In an ordinary case, nothing would be unusual about his testimony. However, it is revealed by Walter's mechanic, Clay Cast that he didn't perform that modification until six months after the murder of Ron Morrison. Not only that, it was confirmed that Bill Hooks was working on the day Ron Morrison was killed, placing him nowhere near the scene of the crime. Once on the stand, Bill Hooks could not answer any of the state's nor the defense's questions, only repeating the same answer over and over again. In Walter's case, his witnesses were completely unreliable and his case was unfortunately handled by corrupt, racist white men. In most cases, witnesses are reliable though. Unless there's some big scheme I see in movies, witnesses tend to be truthful. Lying under oath is a crime and it is taken very seriously. Our last segment is jury selection. Today, jury selection is handled carefully. It is a serious process to make sure the defendant is given a fair trial. Possible jury members go through extensive questioning from both prosecution and defense. If you have any knowledge of the case at hand, you're ruled out. The jury should be impartial and not have any influenced opinions before the trial. That is why they are sequestered before and after the trial begins. However, in Walter's case, it didn't seem to matter to anyone that the jury knew a whole lot about this case beforehand. Diversity is extremely important for a jury. People from different walks of life have different thoughts, opinions, and morals. It is important to consider these differences when choosing a jury. When deliberating over the case, one's voice can sway other jury members or at least make them see things in a different light, which is exactly what we want. We don't want 20 different versions of the same person in the jury. In most cases, jury selection is fair. Unfortunately for Walter, it wasn't. The prosecution used any means to strike potential black jurors who might have taken his side. The jury composed of old white men who had already made up their mind about Walter when they heard he was a black man. What made this case so controversial for Monroeville was that Walter was a black man. Things would have played out very differently if Walter was a different race. As mentioned before, Alabama was very conservative at this time, and oppression over blacks was immense. Investigators did not bother investigating sincerely and pointed their fingers at Walter when Ralph let his name slip out simply because he was black. To share with Tate, Tom Chapman, the jury, and everyone else, Walter McMillan wasn't guilty of murder. He was guilty of being a black man. Walter's case was a compelling, yet heartbreaking story. It opened my eyes even further to the oppression minorities, especially African Americans faced in the United States, and just how much help our legal system is in need of. Walter's case truly brought to light the worst of our justice system. A man was put on death row without even being tried and sentenced at court because of the color of his skin. The police and other investigators failed to do their job and completely obstructed justice. Police went as far as threatening a man to falsely testify, despite admitting having no information on the defendant. Perhaps the only good thing that came out of this case was Brian, and everyone like him today. Our justice system is nowhere near to being perfect. Whoever said America is a third world country in a Gucci belt was right. It makes no sense that a first world country would be carrying justice in such a way. But it's people like Brian who work tirelessly tirelessly every day for just a teeny tiny bit of improvement that bring out the best in our justice system. Brian Stevenson's book, Just Mercy, was nothing short of inspiring and awakening. There's so much power in a person's testimony. I am glad that he wrote it and was not shy of exposing all that is wrong in our justice system. It is extremely important that cases like Walter's are heard. Only by spreading the word of these injustices can people make a stand. Without stories like these, many people will be ignorant of what is truly going on. Cases like these inspire people to take initiative and try to improve our justice system. I hope more light is shed on wrongly imprisoned people and that our legal system is one day something we as Americans can be proud of. That's all the time we have today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and tune in next week for Talks with Alondra.